listening to Rumination Tuesday, September the 21st in the year of our Lord, 2021. It's time to do a hymn, and the hymn is called Triune God, Be Thou Our Stay. Triune God, behold thy name. It's a hymn that is assigned for this Sunday. Triune God, be thou our stay is written by Martin Luther. It was first published by him in 1524, but it actually was on part of another hymnal, uh, or another hymn, I should say, the hymn of praise. And that earlier popular hymn dated back to pre-Reformation times. It was sung on pilgrimages or processions, with the first phrase, though, addressed to St. Peter or Holy Mary. In fact, other saints or prophets might be substituted as the hymn was repeated. The hymn would be made as long as the procession required. In fact, here's uh, a similar hymn that's addressed to Mary. Holy Mary, stay with us and do not let us perish. Free us from all sins. And if we should die, defend us from the devil. Help us chase Mary Virgin to join the lovely angel hosts. So, We will sing Alleluia, Alleluia we shall sing, in praise of the Almighty God. Grant to us, Lord, as our reward, the heavenly crown. Lord, have mercy, Christ have mercy, all praise to you, Mary. Now, Martin Luther is the author of the present-day version, and he revised it to reflect Reformation teaching. And that's clear that each one of the verses begins with the divine triune God. It reflects the language of Ephesians chapter 6, 11 and 13. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. The hymn is also appropriate 
as a hymn of faith at weddings and in ministering to the dying. So, what does Mark Smith think of this hymn? I think it's probably a good thing that Luther dropped the uh, verse on Mary. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, no, I'll tell you, it's it's a pretty hymn. I usually, I, in fact, I use it Trinity Sunday. Um, yeah, I don't know, you know why it, there's a, it, it There's a theological Sunday. question I would ask you. Though, Tom, what do you think? It it almost, and I don't want to be critical of one of Luther's hymns, but uh, it almost Go ahead. it almost erases any di- differentiation between the three persons. Uh, I I I suppose I suppose we could agree and say that they all, you know, the, the whole they all cleanse us of our sins. I mean. It, it, do you know what I'm saying? I'm saying it's, um, you know, we think of uh, we think of as God the cre- God the Father as Creator, God the Son as Redeemer, and the uh, Holy Spirit as Sanctifier. And uh, I don't know if that di- that kind of differenti- differentiation really comes through in this hymn. But hey, look, I'm not a hymn writer. I'm not Martin Luther. I'm uh, just a humble parish pastor. What do you think? I believe that each of the persons of the Trinity did cleanse us from our sins. Okay, okay, right. Because, simple question, who was responsible for the death of Jesus on the cross? God the Father. Thank you. Who was the person on the cross? God the Son, our Lord Jesus. And who is the person that transfers to us the benefits of the cross? God the Holy Spirit. You just answered your own question. <laughs> okay, Tom. <laughs> I don't know. I like I like a little bit of the differentiation between the persons. What what they're uh, what they're each uh what makes what what distinguishes them as persons god is not the son uh the son is not the holy spirit and yet they're all god they're all co-equal they're all what hero israel the lord our god is one i don't know i uh i i would appreciate this hymn a little bit more if it uh if it didn't just repeat the verse after one after the other. Yeah, in a but, sense, this is only one verse long. Right. And That's what right. changes is the triune God is put at the front of that right. one verse three different times. Right. But notice what the very first line is if you oh. only sing it once. What is oh, let it? us per- let us perish never. Right. No. No. First line. First line. You mean triune God be thou our stay? That's right. So if a congregation is only singing one verse, that's what they sing. Triune God be thou our stay. Now maybe the problem is with the word stay. What does yeah. that mean? Oh uh, our our 
what what holds us in place what what hold, what keeps us firm our um our, our mighty fortress is our god he's our stay yes that's well our said our mighty fortress and right after it even if you're mentioning the three persons oh let us perish never now it's interesting especially in the gospel of mark that jesus says that he's doing the work of the Father. He's always talking about what the Father has asked them to do. Mm-hmm. He's doing right. the mission of the Father. That's right. why That's we right. say that Jesus is in submission to the Father. Right. And yet, the crucifixion is not an accident. I don't know if you realize that I didn't until I did a study on this. What evidence that the Sanhedrin finally have to say that Jesus should be crucified. You remember? We have no king but Caesar. Is that is that what they insisted that he he, uh, he claims to be a king? Um, but they what was the evidence for that? Well, they didn't, they didn't have any evidence. Exactly. And so the way that Roman law worked in those days, you would be taken to the, if you were Jewish, to the chief priest and the Sanhedrin, and they would make a decision on the basis of the evidence. Mm-hmm. But when the witnesses were talking, it was clear they were disagreeing with one another, and there was no evidence at all. That's right. Against Jesus. That's right. So, That's why Pilate was inclined to just drop the case. Yeah. Exactly. So, what was the reason why the Sanhedrin then sent him to Pontius Pilate to be crucified? What evidence did they have? And, well, of course, yeah, they they didn't have the authority to execute. I know, but I'm asking what evidence they had. They had none. No, they did. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Now, I didn't know this either. I didn't realize it as well as I do now. Pontius Pilate asked Jesus a question. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, not Pontius Pilate. The chief of the priests yes, asked him a question. And Jesus began by giving himself the name of God, ego me, I mm-hmm. am who I am. Right. And that I will be coming down in the clouds. That's right. You will see the Son of Man in the clouds, right. Excellent. That resulted in the chief priest doing what? Tearing his robes. Excellent. And that was a sign of blasphemy. Yes. They, they took it as blasphemy, of course. And they but it loved was the truth. It. it was the absolute truth. It doesn't matter. Right. It was blasphemy in their minds. And that also, for example, if Jesus had said uh, you can work on the Sabbath, that would have been against what the Jews believed. But the Romans couldn't care less about that. That was theology. But once Jesus said who he was, blasphemy, now the Romans were in trouble 
because he was saying he was greater than Caesar. And that's the reason the Jews told Pilate, if you don't crucify him, we're going to go to Caesar right. and say that he says he's greater than you, Caesar, and Pilate didn't do anything about it. That's right. So, believe it or not, Jesus gave the evidence for the Sanhedrin in their minds to say that he should be put to death because that was the punishment for blasphemy. But as you said, Mark, the Romans had said the Jews could not do capital punishment, so they had to send him to Pontius Pilate. And it was at that point that Pontius Pilate, finally, even after sending him to Herod, he couldn't get out of it. And he says, in order to placate the people, he allowed him to be crucified. So had Jesus not spoken up, there would have been no evidence for the Sanhedrin to crucify him. The crucifixion was not an accident. It was done by God the Father, God the Son, and carried through by God the Holy Spirit. That's why I don't have a trouble singing this hymn. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't either. I just, I like a little bit of differentiation between the, between the three persons, but, you know, who am I? I, uh, I recognize that it's a good hymn. It's a good hymn, especially for Trinity Sunday. Right. But it's a good hymn, a good hymn every time, of course. Well, let's go through the hymn. All right. Whether you do the Father, Christ, or Spirit, or triune God be thou our stay, oh, let us perish never. What does that mean? Well, I'm reminded there of the Holy Spirit, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Because yes. once, the Holy, once the Holy Spirit dis- departs, we are out, out of the faith. We are outside of the faith. We do not want the Holy Spirit to depart from us, because uh, who knows what type of evil, evil spirit could fill that void. Oh, no. Yes. The last thing we want was for the Holy Spirit to depart and let us perish. So that's something that the whole Trinity was involved in. Right. Then the next line, cleanse us from our sins, we pray. Well, I I believe the whole Trinity was involved in that. Right. Because the Father. Especially, yes, but I especially think of our dear Lord Jesus. He's the one that spilled out his holy, precious blood on the cross. And he's the one that said, uh, it is finished. All the sins have been atoned. Every last sin, every sin that's ever been committed has been atoned. And everyone who has ever lived or ever will live has been redeemed. But he also said, after it is finished, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Right. So the Father definitely was part of the crucifixion. Because on that very day, Jesus, with the thief, was in paradise. That's right. In the spirit. So we're not cleansed from our sins until, remember what Jesus says to Nicodemus? You must be born again. Born of water and the spirit. 
Excellent. So the Holy Spirit washes away our sins in holy baptism. Yes. All of our sins have been atoned. All of our sins have been atoned, but that's that's applied to us personally uh, by God the Holy Spirit when we're washed with, with uh, the water of baptism. you got to recall the time in which Luther was living is that the various, how shall I say it, persons had a different kind of office than the Bible teaches. Like the Holy Spirit would take care of you only if you did penance, not repentance. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that we're cleansed from sins by the Holy Spirit was a real Reformation teaching that was not properly preached by the Roman Catholic priests. So that's what Luther is really going against, the idea that the entire Trinity was involved in cleansing us from our sins. Mm -hmm. And grant us life forever. What's that life? That's eternal life. Grant us life forever. The, the eternal life that begins with our baptism. Exactly. Now, there was nobody who was baptized in the Old Testament, but they received eternal life when they trusted the promises of the gospel as Abraham did right. when God came to him. And it was merited to him as righteousness. Yes, declared righteous. Right. Keep us from the evil one. Now, that's certainly... That's a good line. Yes. That's a Who's good Reformation one? line. You know, I mean, you know, the devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us. We tremble not, we fear no ill, because, because uh, he is keeping us from the evil one. I think yes. of Luther's statement when he said, nothing's going to keep me from professing my faith in my Savior uh, in, at the Diet of Varms, even if there's as many demons as there are tiles on rooftops. Yes. But would you not agree that that was really a result of the Holy Spirit being within Luther? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. And his trust in the promises of Jesus Christ and his faith that God the Father is indeed the creator of all things. So it doesn't take long before Luther gets to the Reformation theme, uphold our faith most holy. And that's upheld by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then Luther explains what he means by faith. And let us trust thee solely with humble hearts and lowly. Yeah, the uh, epistle from James during these weeks talks about dead faith and living faith. The dead faith, like those of the demons, they believe the history of the Bible, but they don't believe any of the promises. Right. Whereas those with living faith have humble hearts. They bow before 
the Almighty God. And therefore, what do they put on to protect themselves against Satan? Let us put God's armor on. Yes, that's where the Ephesians 6 passage comes in. Right. And then with all true Christians running. Why does he mention the word true? Well, going back to James, there's dead faith yes. and there's living faith. Yeah. You, you know, there are people that may profess Christ. You know, you've got people that say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian or, you know, and, and, and yet really, uh, do they implicitly believe, do they, do they cling to his promises? Do they show forth their faith in, in clinging to his word, clinging to his promises? Yes. And what are we running? We're running the heavenly race and therefore shunning what? Shunning the devil's wiles and cunning. Yes. Remember, that's what Jesus did when he was tempted by the devil. He simply threw back at him the word of God. Yeah. It Three is written. It yep. is written. He kept saying, it is written. It is written. He could have, you know, he could have taken Satan. I always say he could have taken Satan and wound him around his little finger and tossed him, flicked him a hundred miles if he wanted to. But he didn't rely on his divine power. He, re- he relied on the power of God's word. Exactly. And that's kind of a good example for us. Right. When you meet with people in the hospital near death or folks who are really suffering, how do we comfort them? With the gospel yes. and, with their, and, and their baptism, which is pure gospel. Exactly. And we give them a sure hope with promises. So there is an, two amens. And what does amen mean? Uh, yea, yea, it shall be so. Yeah, yay, it's yay, kind of a it bow. So. And right. that's why in our older hymnals, they always end with an amen, mm-hmm. because we're agreeing it shall be so. Now, right. I have some organists at the churches I support and work with that the organist always plays an amen, even if there isn't one in the hymnal. Yes. He just feels you should. Yeah. And then, what's the last line? So sing we alleluia. Unless it, if it's Lent, if it's Lent, we alternate and we say, oh, Lord, have mercy on us. That's what that's the only change. If it's Lent, oh, Lord, have mercy on us. But other than that, we sing hallelujah. We don't sing hallelujah during Lent, of course. Well, you know, my argument on that, you can sing the, it every Sunday. <laughs> the Sundays in Lent are Easter Sundays. They're not. That's Lent. right. That's so right. Why we're not singing hallelujah. I've never figured out. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Pastor Mark Smith, on tomorrow's Law and Gospel. We're going to give you some information about a Lutheran denomination that in many minds are is no longer Lutheran. I'm Tom Baker. Till tomorrow, God bless you. 
Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.